Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. J.J. Cooper, Kyle Glazer, Ben Badler joining you on a Baseball America Prospect podcast. We're a pretty fun podcast today because we're excited to talk about. We are talking about, we are announcing our 2018 Minor League Player of the Year we have a lot of awards, but this is one of the, I would guess you could say the granddaddy of them all. This goes back to 1981. Uh, we've had a lot of great players, really, over the years uh, win this award going back, including Dwight Gooden in 83 with just an absolutely incredible minor league season. Uh, Frank Thomas, so we have a Hall of Famer now. Uh, Manny Ramirez, Derek Jeter, Andrew Jones, Paul Canerico, Josh Beckett, Joe Maurer, Alex Gordon. Yeah, Matt Weeders, uh, Mike Trout. That's a pretty good kind one. Of, kind of a big one. Yeah, that's kind of a biggie. Uh, Chris Bryant, Blake Snell, who is you know in the uh, running, uh, very strongly in the running for AL Cy Young this year. Uh, last year, Ronald Acuna, who is very much in the running for Rookie of the Year uh, this year. So a lot of great honorees. And to be honest, the decision this year, and you're probably listening to this thinking, it was probably a pretty easy one, and it was. So Ben. Who is our 2018 Minor League Player of the Year? Uh, none other than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like you said, I don't think there was uh, a very long meeting on that one or uh, or much surprise that uh, he won this one for us. No, I, I think this is actually, I've been part of these meetings. My first Minor League Player of the Year meeting was 2002 Rocco Baldelli. I think this was the easiest one. You know, we've had some easy ones, but I think this one, to summarize, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at age 19, playing in AA and AAA, led the minor leagues in batting average, flirting with the 400 season, led the minor leagues in slugging percentage, was third in the minor leagues in on-base percentage, an honor that last year he was second in the minors in on-base percentage and only didn't win it because Yandy Diaz, who didn't have the necessary plate appearances, had a high enough one that even when you ruled... Uh, 622B, I think it is, you know, he won it, but it was, at, you know, 20, it was 20 home runs. It was an outstanding season, but Ben, you've been, you've been talking about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for a very long time now for someone who's, uh, not very old, you know, going back, uh, you know, you, you kind of been hearing about him for a long time. Kind of take us through kind of, uh, if you would kind of Vlad's progression to this point. Uh, yeah, it's almost like, you know, a lot of times you start when the kid is, uh, I think I saw Vlad the first time when he was, uh, 14 years old, just a 14 year old kid, not wearing any batting gloves like his dad. But, um, I mean, in his case, he almost had to start, uh, like when he was like a really, really small child, uh, just tagging along with his dad. Uh, around the different minor league, or excuse me, two different uh, major league parks when he was uh, a little kid and and training, not necessarily training with his uncle, but, uh, you know, his uncle Wilton, who obviously was a former big leaguer and uh, and Vlad Sr., 
have like a, a league back home in the Dominican Republic and you know Vlad would always be playing in that league and, and he'd always be playing against older competition and he'd be you know 13 14 years old or 11 years old and playing against these grown men <clears throat> and from a, a very early age he, he stood out for his bat um, you know, you can see the body type he has now. That was basically the, the body type that uh, uh, he's always had. Uh, for the most part, he's always been a big, heavy set kind of guy. And, uh, you know, when he was training with uh, <clears throat> in his uncle Wilton's program, he was an outfielder, couldn't really run, couldn't really throw. <clears throat> so you're thinking, all right, here's this left fielder, first baseman, and, and you really got to believe in uh, the bat. And, you know, obviously after signing, he, he changed positions, but really everything with him has always uh, come down to the hitting ability and ranked in the, the number one international prospect uh, that year, mostly because of the the bat and and some of the you know the power that he had, but certainly I don't think uh, anybody, uh, including the Blue Jays, expected him to be uh, basically totally annihilating Double A and Triple A pitching uh, the way he has by the time he's uh, 19 years old. You know, Ben, we obviously you mentioned Vlad was our number one international prospect coming out his uh, his international signing year. He's our number one prospect in the Appalachian League, number one prospect in all of baseball now. So this is someone that we've now established is special, has projected to be special for some time now. But in your discussions with mostly opposing scouts, you know, because obviously everyone is always a little bit higher on their own guy internally. In your discussions with opposing scouts, how good, I mean, what level are they seeing Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at? I mean, I think... Everybody, uh, I shouldn't say everybody, but um, kind of impossible to miss <laughs> the talent and the upside that he has because there's just, he, he has so few holes as a hitter, <clears throat> which is incredible because obviously you, you watch him take BP and, you know, I, I think he's always had big power this year. I think the power jumped up a grade. So we're talking about a guy that. 70 power, and given that he's 19 years old, we could be talking about a guy who um, may ultimately have 80 power. But what's so special about him is just what a complete hitter this guy is. And it doesn't matter if it's fastball, uh, breaking ball, changeup. Uh, he can hit any type of pitch, uh, any type of velocity, uh, standing bat speed, uh, but the the plate coverage, the contact ability is, is so good, whether it's uh, in, out, up, down, uh, and then the, the strike zone discipline is such a separator for him, too. Um, it's, it's not just that he can hit every pitch. I mean, his dad could do that, too, obviously. <laughs> but, nose to uh, toes, he, nose to toes, yep. Yeah, but uh, but Vladdy Jr. doesn't just swing at everything. He has the strike zone discipline of, of somebody who's much, much, much older, much more advanced 
beyond his years. And, you know, I'm sure some of it goes back to, you know, playing in a lot of these games as a kid and, and playing in a lot of games as a kid uh, against much older competition. And, look, I'm sure a lot of it is just genetic gifts, too. <laughs> uh, I mean, the Guerreros have a whole family full of uh, baseball players, certainly not as talented as uh, Junior, but uh, the strike zone discipline, the pitch recognition is, is so good that, um, you know, when he does swing, he's, he's rarely going to swing and miss. I mean, I think his strikeout rate this year was between double A AA and triple A is under 10%. And this is at an age where, like, you know, he, he spent a little time, I think, rehabbing in the Gulf Coast League this year. Like, you know, a 19 year old actually, like, it's not uncommon to see a 19 year old <laughs> in the Gulf Coast League. Like, it seems crazy to have him in the Gulf Coast League. Uh, you know, obviously, there's a rehab purpose, but, um, but he just, <laughs> you know, that, those, those are kind of the people who are his age, you know, his peers, they, you know, there, the South Atlantic League and low A. Uh, but for him to be doing this at, at double A, triple A is, is, is just phenomenal. But it's, yeah, really the total offensive package. I think it's somebody who could be, I mean, it sounds outrageous, but I think he actually has a chance to be an 80 hitter with 80 power. He's just, uh, uh, you know, you can't miss the power, but the, the hitting ability is just such, such a complete hitter for, for any age, but especially for somebody who's only 19 years old. What you're describing then is, is that basically makes him, if he does do that, that would be an Albert Pujols, that would be a Mike Trout hitter, not all around, but Mike Trout, that'd be a Miguel Cabrera, that'd be, you know. And you know who's kind of the 80 power, 80 hit guy in today's game that doesn't get talked about enough is J.D. Martinez. Yeah. It's 340 with 45 to 50 bombs over 162 game span. And all those guys, you know, Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, uh, at various, and J.D. Martinez, at various points they, you know, Defense has been high or low. You know, Pujols, when it was younger, was fine, older, less so. But they could all hit. They're all elite hitters, and that made them elite ball players, regardless of what else was going on in their game. Yeah, and but that's the that is kind of the the question, Ben. You saw Vlad a good bit this year. You've talked to a lot of guys about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. over the years. If you're guessing, obviously he plays third base right now. How long do you think, I mean, do you think he's a long-term third baseman? Do you think he's a short-term third baseman? Do you think he's going to be moving really before he ever gets fully established as a, as a big leaguer? I think he has a chance to actually play it at least early on in his career. Because, like, with him, so he, he has the arm. I mean, as an amateur, he did not. He had a below-average arm. And... They moved him to the infield and, like, his, you know, he had a different arm action and um, the arm just played better from third base. And some of it, too, is, you know, you're, you're scouting the guy when he's, you know, 14, 15 and signing him at 16. Like, your arm can continue to to get stronger, especially probably if you're a member of the Guerrero family where, I mean, it seems like everybody in that family uh, has a good arm. Him, his yeah. dad, uh Gabby Guerrero, like all these guys can, you know, throw uh, Gregory Guerrero, like <laughs> they all have pretty good arms. So the arm is increased. So the arm is, you know, he has the arm for third base. I think it's more a question of um, 
the the range because I mean the other thing I think that that works well for him at third base is the hand eye coordination, which is very obvious. Uh, obviously, something he has inherited uh, from his dad, and is very obvious when you watch him at the plate. Uh, the the hand eye coordination. He very rarely swings and misses, and, and the ability to just track and, and recognize pitches. So I, I think that uh, the, the hand, the coordination, um, and, and kind of body control. He, I think he does have that at third base. That that does translate into the field. It's more a question of uh, range and footwork for him, and, and I think. Um, you know, the footwork has, has improved over the, uh, the last few years and, and this season as well. And some of the, you know, the pre-pitch setup, certain like little things on, you know, how to approach certain angles to a ball, that's all improved. And I think that's, you know, when, when the Blue Jays, at least early in the season, we're talking about how, you know, he does need to improve his defense. Like, yeah, like that's, <laughs> that is legitimate. And especially for a guy who, Again, as an amateur, you know he, you know, maybe as a little kid, he, he played some infield, and I think he really enjoyed uh, playing the infield. Uh, but he spent most of his time as an amateur, you know, training to sign as an outfielder. So it's not like he was one of these guys who, at 14, 15 years old, had some trainer or some coach hitting him a hundred bungos a day. Um, you know, he, he didn't really have that. <clears throat> Experience and for a lot of guys who are really good hitters, <laughs> uh, like Vlad and, and other young hitters, they just focus a lot um, on their hitting. They don't really put a lot of time into their defense. I mean, you know, Bo Bichette is a shortstop. He, he probably was a, <laughs> uh, a lot of the, the same way, uh, just from talking to him. So, um, you know, I, I think it, some of it just really depends on how, how how his body goes, how big he gets. I mean, He's already a big guy at 19 years old. By the time he's 25, I don't think he's going to get any smaller. Um, but I, I think just because a guy doesn't necessarily look the part doesn't necessarily mean he, he can't play third base. But um, I don't think he's ever going to be an above-average defender. He, he might never really be, you know, I think he, he maybe has a chance to be an average defender, but probably just because of the, some of the range limitations comes in below that. But I do think that at least early on in his career, I, I do think that uh, that he can play third base defensively at the, at the major league level. There, there's two things that jump out with that. One is, it's like when you talk about his body, you mentioned we're running a photo. We ran a photo of the magazine. It'll be with the story that goes, you know, that you can go to baseballamerica.com and, and read. We have a photo of Vlad Jr. from when he was 14, and one of the things that stand out stands out is, is it's the same body, basically, not much different than it is now. The other is, is um, if you look at past history, guys were talking about, like, Jim Tomei came up as a third baseman. Paul Konerko came up as he started a catcher but moved to third base then moved to first base. Albert Pujols was a third baseman. And going back on kind of their history, those guys, like, Pujols arrived as a 21-year-old and played left, right, third, and first. He played left and third primarily the next couple of years, and then by age 24, he was a full-time first baseman. Jim Tomei came up, played third base. By age 25, he was a full-time first, first baseman. Paul Konerko, by age 24, I believe it was, was a full-time first baseman. 
these guys kind of have the history. The guys who are bigger, who kind of have this history, have a history of moving. But one of the things that stands out is is that, again, it doesn't mean, you know, obviously Jim Tomei is not a perfect comparison, him playing third for uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. playing third. But the thing that does stand out is is that most of these guys, when they move, it's kind of in that they, they kind of get, they arrive at the big leagues and then eventually they move and it's usually about 24, 25. If Vladimir Guerrero Jr. moves at age 24, that could be in his fourth full pro seat, you know, big, big league season, which that would be that he was a third baseman for a significant amount of time. And I do think, I think we do need to point out that um, it was interesting. Some of the scout calls we made throughout the year, early on, I asked people, hey, so what do you think of Vlad at third base? And I think it's because their expectations were so low. A couple times I got, you know... He was actually a little better over there than I thought in terms of the hands. The arm, he can move a little bit. But a lot of those were pro scouts who were sitting on for you know, a five-game set here or there. Um, you know, Josh Norris, who's doing our Eastern League Top 20, is calling a lot of Eastern League managers who saw Vlad over the course of the entire season. And their overwhelming response so far has been, it's not good over there. You really shouldn't put him over there. Um, whether you say can or can't is strong, but... You know, it's not going to be good if you do. And even if you look at our grades on him in the top 100, we have a 40 on his defense at third base, which is, it's still on the major league scale. It's playable, but it's it's below average, and you don't want it there for very long. And, that's, and that was Jim Tomei. Jim Tomei was a 40 defender at and third so, who and, moved to first. And I think what will be interesting, and going back to the body, Ben, um, what I think is going to be interesting is, you know, we talk about Pujols, you talk about Miguel Cabrera, you talk about Jim Tomei. We think of them in their later careers and the bodies they had. If you go back and look at them at 21-22, they weren't as heavy. They weren't nearly as rotund as I think Vlad is now. So it'll be interesting to me to see you know, whether or not Vlad, you mentioned the body's going to be a big part of it, and whether or not that third base, you mentioned early in his career, whether that's one year or if it's three to four, because I do think it makes a difference. But at the same time, at the end of the day, if he does become a first base only like Frank Thomas, that's still a Hall of Fame bat you take. If it's a DH only and he's a right-handed version of David Ortiz, that's still one of the ten most impactful players in baseball. So I, I will say I think, I you know, I think you're more skeptical. There's there's a lot more skepticism in some corners that he can you're, play. You're third. more skeptical. I am, but even given that he's such an elite bat, he's still going to be one of the ten most impactful players in the major leagues. What do you think, Ben? If he if he has to move off the position, or yeah, does, if he moves off, do you think? I mean, again, is that going to make a difference or really not? Uh, I think he could be a superstar. <laughs> At uh, at any position he plays, and I do think he has, a, like I said, a chance to stay at third base. I mean, shoot, Pablo Sandoval played <laughs> uh, third base with uh, that body well into his uh, even to his late uh, late twenties. Yeah. Different, That's different correct. kind of. Uh, I mean, another guy with like very good hand eye coordination, and obviously Sandoval was a catcher, and then. Uh, I actually thought he could have caught, but they obviously had uh, another pretty good catcher at some point <laughs> after when they uh, drafted Buster Posey. So um, you know, I I wouldn't I, I wouldn't judge too much just off uh, the body. My head gives me some concerns about the range limitations, and, and I think at some point, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know by the time Vlad's in his mid mid 20s and, and maybe it comes even later than that but you know at some point in his career he, he's going to go obviously i think over to uh 
to first base and, you know, depending on some of it's probably going to be circumstantial too, right? Like whoever else the Jays have on their roster. Well, if you have a guy who's going to hit, you know, uh, you know, to the projections that, that we have for him, uh, you, you can feel very comfortable putting that guy at first base or, uh, even that, uh, DH if you need and, and even the bat, uh, an offensive bundle that he's going to provide there could be a, an MVP type of guy. Russ Martin's playing third, you know, a lot lately for the Blue Jays. So it's not like unless they make a move in the offseason, there is there's no one blocking him uh, from playing third base in Toronto. But I do want us to get also, like you said, it was an easy call. It was. But, Kyle, there were other candidates. We didn't just say, okay, we're not even looking at this. So, Kyle, who are some of the other guys that we looked at and we considered for the award? The two main guys were Eloy Jimenez of the White Sox, went up to AAA this year and just mashed. He's always mashed every level. He did miss more time with injuries this year. That has been a perennial concern. But every time he's on the field, this is an elite, elite young hitter. And Alex Kirilov with the Twins came back from Tommy John surgery, came back, hit nearly 350 above at low A, high A, 20 home runs, led the minors in total bases, led the minors in doubles. Uh, really, Vlad was above and beyond, as we mentioned. We've had some, even in just my, this is my third one of these. Mm-hmm. In the past, we've had some meetings and rooms. We talked through it for an hour plus. This one was a pretty simple email chain. Yeah, it's Vlad. Uh, basically, I think, the, I think the question was, okay, it seems like everyone's saying Vlad Guerrero Jr. Is there anyone disagreeing? Okay, so it's unanimous. Okay, we, we and I should explain a little bit, like, how we pick this. This goes back to uh, Alan Simpson, the founder of the, the magazine and, the, you know, the founder of the website also. Like, Baseball America's Minor League Player of the Year is an award for a prospect who had the best year in the minors. And what I mean by that is, is that it is done with an eye on the future as well. The, a 27-year-old who has the best season in the minors by far is not going to win Baseball America's Minor League Player of the Year Especially award. Especially if they're in Reno. Right. But wherever they are, because they're not the best. Again, it doesn't mean we're not giving this award to the best prospect. In this case, it happens to be. It happens to be the last two years that the best prospect has won the award. Ronald Acuna was our number one coming into, you know, and I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of drama. We'll talk, you know, we'll, we have many discussions left to go, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is our number one prospect right now, and he's still going to be prospect eligible when the offseason rolls around. So it does happen like that. But you have to have, it is, we look at it and say, who had the best season? And then we do wait in, is this someone that we're going to be proud to have won the award a decade from now, 20 years from now? And again, our track record on that, we feel pretty good about it. It's not perfect. Uh, Delmon Young, 2005, we're, we're looking you know, at, at you. But... It is something where we are always, when it comes down to it, going to going to look at it and say, who is the prospect who had the best year? This year, what made it easy is the player who had the best year in the minors was also the best prospect in the minors. When that happens... It's pretty slam dunk. It's, it, it makes it a lot easier to decide, you know... So obviously, I mean, what you know, the one of the things with that is, is you know, we have again, Eloy Jimenez would have been a great guy to win it. He had a and in a lot of other years. I think you look at the numbers he put up. 
he might have won it. 337, 384, 577 in 108 games between AA and AAA. As a 21-year-old, he hit uh, 22 home runs. You know, Alex Kirloff, as you mentioned. The thing that was that did stand out this year was... There wasn't a great pitcher candidate at all. That was probably the biggest thing. You looked, even if you go into like, okay, we mentioned those were a top three. You know, Vlad, Eloy, Kirilov in that order probably. Then you get into the, you know, fours and fives. And, you know, a guy like Nathaniel Lowe had a great year that you at least have to pay attention to. Oh, absolutely. You know, Joe Adele getting up to double A at 19, hitting, you know, 30 doubles, 20 homers, 15 stolen bases. Those are guys we were talking about. You know, even last year when it was Ronald Acuna running away, but you had Austin Hayes. You had John Duplantier go up and throw up the lowest ERA since Justin Verlander. And, oh, by the way, Corbin Burns put up a 1-6 mm-hmm. ERA. Well, there wasn't a guy like that this year. Dylan Cease had a really good year. He's probably... 12-2, 2.40, 160 strikeouts, 124. I mean, he's probably the best pitching prospect season we had. But it wasn't in the same realm as some other pitching prospects say, we've had of, of player of the year worthy standards. Dylan Cease, Tuki Toussaint, uh, Michael Kopech, who his ERA, 3.70 ERA is not great, but his you look at his strikeouts, you look at the, uh, the fact that he did it at his age in AA, AAA. Um, Josh James was kind of the uh, came out of nowhere again. You know, that, but again, he was never in discussion for player of right, the year. Right, right. That, but but you were, when we're talking about honoring great seasons, Josh James season 171 Ks, 114 innings in AAA in the PCL with a 3.23 ERA in the PCL. All of, that's a really good season. We've seen him in the big leagues. But, again, this one was an easy one. This was, I mean, Ben, you've been a part of these a long time also. Can you remember any year that was close to this easy as far as making the decision? No, no, not for minor league player of the year. This was, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, low, career off. Uh, you know, Peter Alonzo, Eloy, or some other guys who had, it would have been, I think it would have been a much more interesting discussion had, like, Vlad not been here, actually. Or if Vlad uh, had not come back on the injury. I mean, because that's what he needed to get the at-bats was the big thing he had to do. Yeah, that was, like, the only thing that, like, even made it remotely close. But <laughs> otherwise, his, his year when he was on the field was just so, so dominant in every way. I think what, going back to that dominant year, and we're talking about his injury, um, one of the things that impressed me a lot was you know, he missed a, a good month, and he still hit 20 home runs, a career high. I think to me that was one of the most interesting developments. and We see that power comes later, but for him to miss that much time, and, and we see it all the time, hitters coming back from knee injuries, even when they're back, the power doesn't turn on right away. It takes a little bit to get it back. For him to still hit his career high 20 home runs, Given that knee injury, I think to me, you mentioned Ben, his power grade going up a tick. I think, look, we knew he was a great hitter. We knew he had great strikes on discipline. We knew he was special. Seeing that bump, given the injury, I think to me is one of those things that that maybe opened my eyebrows a little bit the most this year and and further separated him in this player of the year discussion. And BP, Ben, when you saw his BPs a lot, those were quite fun, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, especially up in New Hampshire. They've got that hotel uh, right beyond the uh, left field, and he would just whack him <laughs> off that wall. But, you know, even just beyond the powers, the approach MVP, just the way to, you know, the way he drove the ball in the middle of the field to right center field. And if you see him do that in games, too, where, all right, pitches on the outer third, just drives it to right field and shoot, drives it out of the park <laughs> yeah. to right field. You don't really see that from. I don't really see that from many hitters, period, but especially being 19 years old, having 
both the ability to manipulate the barrel and then the just the strength, the bat speed, the power to knock it out of the yard to the opposite way. Now, Ben, one other thing I wanted to ask you about with Vlad Guerrero Jr. is his makeup. This is someone who's been celebrated for a long time from very young age, son of a former big leaguer. Uh, you've had some interactions with him. You've seen a lot of him, how he interacts with teammates, coaches, etc. Just what's, what's the sense you get on Vlad Jr. and his makeup and his personality as, as a 19-year-old? Yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> so this part didn't actually make it into the story because, you know, there's only so much you can fit in there, but... Um, you know, a lot of times when you're an international scouting director or, or area scout in the Dominican Republic, you you have concerns like, all right, <clears throat> what's going to happen after we give this 16-year-old kid a million dollars or, in Vlad's case, you know, $3.9 million? Are they going to are they going to change or are they going to become, you know, super arrogant or are they going to stop working hard now that they've got some money or, 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 you know, all sorts of things can happen that uh, gives gives a lot of scouts and uh, directors a lot of concerns sometimes when you're talking about giving a guy big money. And with Vlad, they just thought, you know, one, he's he's been around this his whole life. <laughs> like money is, is not going to change him in any way. He's, he's grown up with his dad is going to you know, go into the Hall of Fame one day. Um, having a big spotlight on him is is not going to change him at all. Like He's been around all these big league parks and, and been a, you know, he, he's been around this environment so the, the Blue Jays felt uh, uh, very confident in, in his makeup. They, they knew him basically since he was uh, a little kid. Their, their scout, you know, uh, Luciano Del Rosario had known him really since he was a a little kid, so they they knew him very well, and uh, I think that was uh, an accurate uh, accurate information, accurate report that uh, that the Blue Jays had on uh, on Vladdy. He's, he's definitely he's a different uh, type of guy than than his father in terms of personality wise. Obviously, you saw him at the uh, uh, the Winter League game <laughs> last year where he I think he hit that. Or it must have been a, a triple, if I remember right, and uh, started doing a little shimmy, a little dance <laughs> around uh, third base. So I think he probably tones that down uh, in, in the minor leagues. He really enjoys playing there in, uh, uh, in winter ball uh, in the Dominican Republic. But, um, but yeah, he's definitely got a, a big, uh, big outgoing personality. I think uh, teammates, teammates really like him. Uh, has the ability to, to connect with a lot of people more of a more of an outgoing kind of personality, I think, than uh, uh, than his uh, than his dad had. But uh, you know, and, and look, there's also a lot of reasons why, like he he would be right, and you know, uh, you know, JJ just you know you wrote about this the other day. Like, uh, there's a lot of people who want to see Vlad Jr. up right now in the big leagues, and certainly he could uh, go out and complain publicly about it and you know i don't think he'd necessarily be wrong to do so but uh you know he's just kind of kept uh, he hasn't really said anything about it. he sort of kept quiet about his old uh situation so um showing uh you know just some 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 uh i think probably some some maturity there as well
the the funny thing with that is might be a way to wrap it up is kind of look ahead is that uh you know this spring Ronald Acuna was you know again stats in spring training are only you know minorly important but the reality is is Ronald Acuna was one of the best hitters in in Florida this spring training and then the Braves found some reasons that he needed to spend a few weeks in uh in the minors so that Preston Tucker could play left field who they then DFA'd not long after that um you know, it will be. I mean, again, we we kind of can see the train coming. I would not be shocked at all if Guerrero is one of the best hitters in the Florida. You know, in the spring training in Florida this year, coming up in in 2019, and and Ben, I, I do think they're still going to probably figure out a way to figure out why he needs to spend three weeks in the minors so that Young Jervis Solarte or someone can play third base. I mean, that's the. I guess that's the reality of what we live in 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 baseball in the in the 21st century. Yeah, no, no. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see how much. Uh, I think there's probably more now being written about this kind of stuff than uh, ever before, and I, I do think that makes somewhat of a difference. But uh, I don't know. There, there also was a lot being written about it when the, you know, the Cubs were manipulating Chris Bryant's service time, and uh, you know there was a good amount written with uh, Ronald Acuna too. So yeah, Vlad. Eloy, I would expect uh, both of these guys to have their service time manipulated by their clubs, and we'll uh, probably see them a little bit later in April. We're, we're gonna actually going to do a full podcast about that. Uh, that will be probably the next Baseball America podcast, talking about kind of the service time and, and all that. But again, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., our 2018 Minor League Player of the Year, uh, a well-deserved honor, you know, easily the best hitter in the, in the minors this year. We do want to remind you again, it's a great time to subscribe. Go to BaseballAmerica.com, click on uh, Shop, and you can subscribe to Baseball America. We've got Summer League Top 10s going out right now, but we are, before long, we'll be rolling out the League Top 20s. Um, A lot of reporting, a lot of reporting going on for that. I think I've, I think on the Carolina League now, I'm up to about reports on basically like 65 guys. I have to winnow that down to 20, but I, you know, you, you, you start big and you winnow it down. But uh, for Kyle, for Ben, I'm JJ. So long, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.